Welcome to our podcast, Public Health Encoded, with Dr. Saroj Pachauri, brought to you by Center for Human Progress in partnership with the POP movement, where POP stands for Protect Our Planet. Dr. Saroj Pachauri, a public health expert, provides commentary on some of the major public health issues of current times and the various determinants of public health at play with high-risk and vulnerable groups. Every month, Dr. Saroj Pachauri, a doctor of medicine and a distinguished public health scholar, with over 60 years of experience will unpack key public health concerns and opportunities in the current global arena with evidence and insights. Hey folks, welcome back. It's me, Drisha Pathak, your host again. Today's topic is a hidden public health risk and is something really important that we all know about. But many of us aren't aware of how this man-made health risk has sneaked into our lives. It has found its way from the supermarkets treats, the air we breathe, the food we eat and even into our drinking water, slowly poisoning our bodies. This hidden public health risk needs to be discussed everywhere because in today's time, nobody can escape it. We are all already living with it to some extent. So let's dive into the world of endocrine disrupting chemicals or EDCs. What are they exactly and what do they do? Let's hear it from Dr. Pachauri. Endocrinal disrupting chemicals, EDCs, do is to interrupt the endocrines. They affect the endocrines of the hormones. And hormones are natural chemicals produced in the endocrinal glands in the body, which are located throughout the body. Hormones coordinate the development of every individual cell from a single fertilized cell to many specialized cells that make up the blood, the bones, the brain and other tissues. And a lot of research has gone on to look at what is happening in terms of the hormones. And we know that there is a changing need over the course of life cycle. And there is uh, hormones are required by the organs in specific amounts at specific times and for specific duration. So it's a very uh, well orchestrated system in the body, which is quite amazing. And... Um, circulating in very low concentrations. These hormones regulate the body's response to different nutritional demands like hunger, starvation, reproductive functions. They respond to the brain and the body. And in fact, they play a key role in determining the quality of life. And many are absolutely essential for survival. Because the endocrinal system is plays such a critical role and has so many important biological and social functions, any impairment on any part of the endocrine system can lead to disease or even death. And in, by interfering with the endocrine systems, as these chemicals do, uh, these EDC exposure can cause a disturbance in many functions. So from what we have gathered, this thing is already in our bodies. But here is the real question. Can we even measure its impact or what amount of it is in our bodies? That's a tough one to answer, to be honest. I have some knowledge and experience in this field since it's my area of interest. So maybe I'm getting a bit carried away, but don't worry. We have got Dr. Pachori here with us. She's come up with some questions that will help all of you understand this common public health risk better. She will be discussing it with our guest expert, Dr. Girija Bharat, today. Dr. Girija Bharat, Managing Director of Moo Gama Consultants, Gurgaon is a respected international expert with 30 years of experience in water quality. 
She specializes in water resource management, water supply and sanitation, chemical pollution control and environmental management. As a PhD in chemistry from LIT Nagpur and an alumni of esteemed institutions like Indian Institute of Technology Dhanbad and George Mason University USA, Dr. Bharat has published over 128 research papers. Her contributions have earned her prestigious awards including the Glory of India 2021 and Women Transforming India Award by Niti Aayog 2021, Global Environment Award 2020, Save the Environment Award 2021. Equa Excellence Award 2020 Exceptional Women of Excellence Award of Women Economic Forum in 2019 I'm so inquisitive to know more about this topic from our guest today who is not only a brilliant scientist but also a passionate advocate for the issue at hand Welcome to Dr Girija Bharat we are thrilled to have you here Now without further ado let's dive right into the fascinating discussion Dr Pachauri welcome and over to you Welcome Girija welcome welcome I it is such a pleasure to have you join this discussion in fact a great privilege because the subject that we are discussing today which you have worked extensively on and are an expert on is something that we need to learn about a lot of us have to learn about it and certainly the people in the audience will gain a great deal from your expression you have been working on reducing chemical pollution such as persistent organic pollutants pops and endocrinal disrupting chemicals edcs and their impact on health now these chemicals are very very widespread they can so that you can get exposed to them in the home in the office on the farm in the air you breathe in the food you eat and the water you drink and of the hundreds and thousands of manufactured chemicals it is estimated that about 1000 may have endocrinal acting properties because of the endocrinal system's critical role in so many important biological and physiological functions impairment in any part of the endocrinal system can lead to disease or even death exposure to these chemicals can therefore interfere with the body's functioning and disturb many functions of the body causes disease and as i said even death and they are therefore considered hazardous for human health we also need to recognize that because of life stages and particularly vulnerable to two edcs in the earlier stages for example during the time when the events embryo or fetus we will not be able to expedite results of studies undertaken in adults which is usually the case so there are several challenges uh, that we have in this area and we would be very very grateful girija if you would be kind enough to tell us more about your work what are your findings what is the impact on health this is one we are very much interested in uh, and tell us more in terms of what can be done to improve the situation many thanks dr pachari i am so honored and privileged to be interacting with you and uh, considering me for this podcast on such an important topic many thanks as you rightly mentioned and you gave a very good introduction about what endocrine disrupting chemicals are and these are many of them are persistent organic pollutants they are basically a group of chemicals that have been intentionally or unintentionally produced and released into the environment they are chemicals of global concern due to their potential for long range transport persistence in the environment and ability to biomagnify and bioaccumulate the ecosystem and uh, as persistent we call it pops persistent organic pollutants they are stable and can travel long distances through air currents and they are new 
they are ubiquitous around the world and uh, they're as you rightly mentioned found everywhere inside the homes outside and even in colder regions like arctic regions where they travel far distance because of being semi-volatile and get deposited and they are lipid like lipophilic so they have a tendency to uh, for high lipid solubility and tend to bioaccumulate in fishes animals especially in the fatty tissues and they get into the food chain so it is a very hazardous chemical and uh, they do uh, impact the endocrine uh, system in our body and even at very low levels they can lead to many health impacts which uh, including increased cancer risk reproductive disorders alteration of the immune system neurobehavioral impairment and uh, genotoxicity and increased birth defects in fact endocrine disruptors they are they are a subset within the persistent organic pollutants group and they are basically a mixture of chemicals that alters the function of endocrine system and uh, it impacts health in an intact organism or its progeny or population so it's a public health risk children and pregnant women are at high risk because the exposure during the programming period in the fetal stage results in permanent changes. We have seen in the case of the Indosulfan tra tragedy in Kerala, Kasargur district, where the farmers would spray endosulfan and uh, it got into the food chain and children born in the area, Kasargur area and many others had birth defects, acute birth defects. So exposure during programming stage in the programming period in the fetal stage is very, very, uh, very hazardous because it results in permanent damage. And exposure during adulthood tends to compensate by homeostasis and may result in detectable effects. And exposure to the same levels during different life stages may produce different effects. Basically, the timing of exposure will determine both the nature and severity of the effects. So, it, as I mentioned, cancer, tumor, reproductive uh, disorders, and increased incidence of type 2 diabetes is also one of the causes of this. Yes. So, the hypothesis that in India, there are increasing <coughs> health impacts from EDC, pressure on human uh, population and it is corroborated by data on diseases like diabetes and some can some forms of cancer they have been linked to the EDCs and diabetes in incidence as you see in India has increased tremendously over the last few decades in fact it was 26 million in 1990 and it is 65 in 2016 it was six, uh, 65 million similarly uh, cancer also increased tremendously. So the number of total deaths and disability adjusted life years tally due to cancer has doubled between 2009 and 2016. So it has been having tremendous impact on and there has been there are studies which uh, give evidence of this uh, this data. So concurrently there is documented evidence to 
evidence of increased EDC occurrence in both consumer products as well as in the environment. Our studies have shown that. So basically, poor control and chemical management combined with rapidly changing socioeconomic conditions in India, it certainly plays a role in exacerbating these negative impacts. Uh, thank you very much. This is uh, indeed very helpful. And I think more of us need to understand what's going on in this area. Thank you for sharing your the results of your studies. Uh, and you talked about India, you talked about Kerala and the birth defects and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, my next question really is focused on India. Given that India is highly vulnerable to these chemicals, and I presume that's true, uh, what what uh, is India doing about it? Is you know there are international frameworks, legislative frameworks that many countries have brought about. They developed these international frameworks for for legislation and so on. Is India part of that? Is India participating in those uh, international activities? And what basically what is India doing about this? Is what I would like to know. Uh, thanks. Uh, that was a very interesting question, and I'm glad that you asked it. In fact, there is there are several uh, frameworks, but Stockholm Convention on Persistent Organic Pollutants, that is a global treaty which was adopted in 2001 and entered into force in 2004. It basically aims to protect human health and the environment from the organic chemicals that persist in the environment and have characteristics of long-range transport and bioaccumulate and biomagnify. So it is a legally binding uh, convention. And there are 186 parties which have uh, which are signatories. And India is one of the parties who has signed it. And India is uh, has developed national implementation plan in 2011. That was for the, the first set of persistent organic pollutants. Basically, there are 34 now. Uh, the first set was 12, they were called Dirty Dozen. And uh, National Implementation Plan of India, NIP, uh, was for those first initial 12 pops. But this list, it keeps increasing because new and new, new newer chemicals keep adding. And with that, we, the research shows that they are having, and uh, uh, they are persistent organic pollutants. And there is a pops review committee, which basically has several stages and finally, when it says, yes, this is a POPs, but India having a bit of a retrospective approach takes a backseat in these things because by the time a chemical is introduced and research shows that its negative impacts are harming the citizen, the, the public health, by then a lot of damage would have already done. And uh, India having this retrospective approach, it is... Uh, quite a disturbing one because it doesn't take action on time. So that is something which is quite worrying. So this uh, POPs convention, basically the Stockholm convention, it has annexures. So first one is chemicals, which are annex A, which has to be eliminated. And the second uh, one is annex B, where the chemicals are restricted and the third category is where the chemicals are unintentionally produced, such as dioxins and furans, which come out of burning of plastics and other unintentionally. So India is a signatory of Stockholm Convention, and we are working quite a lot in this. Now India is coming up with National Implementation Plan 2, NIP2, 
for the next batch of seven pops we call it new pops yeah and uh, india has also been in the process of developing chemical management and safety rules that is cmsr which is basically replacing uh, the previous two uh, existing regulations that is one is the manufacture storage and import of uh, hazardous chemical that was of 1989 and the second one the chemical accidents that is emergency planning preparedness and response rules of 1996 so this cmsr which aligns quite well with the concept of the european union's uh, policy and uh, regulation that is called reach that is registration evaluation authorization and restriction of chemicals which is a very prospective very uh, ambitious uh, regulation and the european union is adhering it to it quite well so indian cmsr is somewhat similar to european union's reach but this is still a working progress it's a draft policy it is yet to be finally implemented yeah so basically, the Indian chemical management, this policy framework, which can be divided into four domains, that is environmental protection, consumer safety, occupational health and safety, and commerce. So these include more than a dozen acts of policies. India, though it has many acts and policies, it's quite fragmented. We have done some studies on the legal aspects of this policy. So there are several loopholes which really needs to be plugged in yeah and first of all the retrospective approach is not all right it is having uh, uh, it's a, taking a heavy toll on india's chemical management aspects thank you this is uh, very helpful uh, and i i'm happy that we've learned a lot from what you have told us uh, so what I understand is that India is doing quite a lot, but there's a long way to go, uh, which is not surprising, which is not surprising. Yes. My last question, uh, Girija, is to ask you, what are the learnings from research? What have we learned that is of significance, which we can apply for, for future work and for future programming? You've undertaken research. Research has been, been undertaken internationally on these issues. So if we were to try to call out the learnings, what would they be? In fact, uh, there is, uh, as you rightly mentioned, that India has been doing a lot of progress, but there is still a long way to go. And we need to learn from other countries which have been able to manage chemicals, that is chemicals in a very safe manner. So... But then the data in India, uh, first of all, there is scarcity of data, though we have produced a lot of data, uh, and, but the, and many of our uh, research has also been um, cited by Ministry of Environment, Forest, Ministry of Agriculture and others. So we are so glad that they're taking cognizance of this. From all of our research studies, we bring out a policy brief and share it with the with all the relevant uh, stakeholders, all the aligned ministries, we go personally and hand it over. And many of them have actually invited us for presentation and we even, they are quite receptive. It's But unfortunately, the officers uh, in the Indian system, as you must be knowing, they get frequently transferred and the, 
the person to whom we would have given a presentation would have ended up in another ministry and then it goes there. There is not much of interaction after that. So that is something which is uh, quite um, worrisome aspect of Indian governance system. But then still there is institutional memory and officials are taking cognizance of this and they are actually now coming up with the CMSR, which I was talking about. They are refining it and the draft with policy will soon be made final one. Let's hope it's coming up soon. But then there is also not so much of credible data coming in. So there's scarcity of studies on environmental and human exposure to non-pesticidal pops like the purines and dioxins, which I was talking about. Then there are studies, not so many studies about polybrominated diphenyl ethers, which are basically uh, flame retardants. And due to lack of analytical capacity for POPs, because POPs instrumentation is very expensive. We need to have a gas chromatograph and mass spectrophotometry. So these are very high-end instrumentation facilities. Not many pollution control boards have it. We have been doing capacity building of the pollution control boards for the last three years, but there are many aspects which really need to be plugged. And there are also limited studies on the new POPs. I was telling about the new POPs, which India has ratified in 2020, and there is limited study there. And uh, very few efforts are being made to develop alternatives to various POPs. You know, um, DDT is one of the POPs. DDT is coming in the, though it is like hazardous, but it's coming in the, the NXB restricted because India cannot afford to, India having malaria prone areas, we cannot afford to have our population is subjected to malaria. For that, we are using for malaria control. Yet there are cases where we see DDT is being used for agriculture and other purposes. So stringent regulation, monitoring, implementation is extremely important. And compliances are quite lax sometimes. So these have to be really, really very strict. Otherwise, there is there is high chance that uh, chemicals are getting in the environment because our studies show that there are areas, even in food chain, that we find DDT. In drinking water, we have found DDT. Yes. So basically, systematic studies must be conducted by universities and research organizations and also adequate and sophisticated laboratory facilities must be set up for monitoring and analysis of POPs, which is extremely essential. Some of the other aspects uh, are like there are key gaps related to administrative and financial and technical capacities. So there is a need to improve this administrative and technical infrastructure for management of endocrine disrupting chemicals, persistent organic pollutants, and uh, the allocation of financial resources for POPs management, it needs to be reviewed. As I mentioned, these are very high-end instruments and there is a lot of cost involved in the consumables in the instrument itself. So there has to be financial resources for monitoring of these chemicals. Thank you. Uh, it's, a, it's a very complex issue. Yes. And the complexity, which which moves into various different dimensions, including the administrative side, including the technical side, the legislative side, the chemical side, the development side, uh, and the research uh, is all interlinked. 
Therefore, multifarious activities have to be carried out in order to even implement the results of the research that we have undertaken. And uh, what you said rightly was that we need policy advocacy with the those that are concerned in the administration, in, in the planning of programs nationally, and and uh, that that is absolutely critical. That's I think what what you have mentioned in many cases are generic issues. You know, we need resources. We need we need to involve the policymakers in the process. We need to carry out the research, and then we need to disseminate that research in in policy advocacy so that the research findings are actually used by those for whom they are meant. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I was saying media can play an effective role related to this information dissemination and awareness. But general public is not aware. When I was working in the US, I have seen places in river which was marked that fish from this place should not be eaten by infants or pregnant or lactating mothers. When in mm -hmm. India, we don't have any advisory like that. So there is a long way India has to go. Yeah. So... I think we need to draw lessons from what we learn from overseas, from other countries, from the European Union, from the US, other countries that are implementing these programs. But we also need to adapt them to our own local situation. And that is very specific, actually. And it's a challenge, undoubtedly. It is a challenge. But I think we've learned a lot today from, from what you have told us, uh, Dilija. And thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you very much for being present in this discussion. I, for one, have learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Dr. Pachauri. It's so nice talking and interacting with you. I think from the get-go, Dr. Pachauri was super helpful in breaking down this term endocrine-disrupting chemicals for us. She took it step-by-step step to discuss with Dr. Girija Bharat about all the different categories of EDCs and persistent organic pollutants, their characteristics, properties, distribution in the environment, and profound impact on the diverse species within the ecosystem as well as on the human health. In fact, Dr. Girija Bharat honed in on the widespread presence of these chemicals and how they bioaccumulate, posing significant implications for human health across different life stages. She underscored the critical factors of timing and level of exposure as they determine the nature and severity of effects. For instance, during the fetal stage, exposure can lead to irreversible damage, while in adulthood, it can manifest as notable health issues like cancer, reproductive disorders, and type 2 diabetes. You gotta admit it is crazy when you give it some serious thought. So whenever we talk about what the world is doing regarding persistent organic pollutants or EDCs, we often hear that Europe and America have strict laws and conduct regular research to classify chemicals into different harmful categories. But when it comes to India, it seems like either the information isn't communicated well or the action is just too slow. But then Dr. Girija stepped in and shed some light on where the gaps exist. She mentioned about the Global Treaty, India's National Implementation Plan and the new draft policy called the Chemical Management and Safety Rules that India is working on. But let's be honest, India seems to lag behind a bit. In the end, Dr. Pachauri concluded the conversation by presenting a clear and concise summary. It was evident that despite significant efforts, there remains a considerable amount of work to be done in order to safely manage these chemicals. This primarily is due to non-compliance with existing policies, the need for improved technical and administrative infrastructure, 
and the allocation of sufficient financial resources were identified as crucial areas for improvement. But again, conducting research in this field is not easy. And yes, new findings and advancements continue to shape our understanding of the effects of these chemicals on human health and guide strategies to minimize exposure risk. Following today's enlightening conversation aimed at increasing public awareness, I am confident that our listeners are gaining a deeper understanding of the significance of public health topics. In the future episodes, we will bring much more thought-provoking insights at Public Health Encoded featuring Dr. Saroj Pachauri presented by the Center for Human Progress in partnership with the POP movement. Stay tuned with us to know more about the public health subject.